You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 103. Hey everybody, this is JC. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode as we wrapped up the Daniel in the Lion's Den Bible study. If you haven't listened to that yet, I encourage you to go back and check them out. It was just incredible for me to share what has been on my heart these last couple of months, especially since my new book is coming out very, very, very soon. When I have more info about that, I will definitely let you know. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to remind you guys of two awesome things. Number one, Hello Awesome has a shop that's full of merch. That's right. We have t-shirts, mugs. I also have vintage goods. So many great gift ideas. I even have church staff gifts. So if you're thinking about something for your pastor's wife, your first lady, anything like that, your youth pastor, go check it out. It's helloawesome.live. And very soon I'm going to be working on stuff that has my logo on it that says Hello Awesome. Some really cool um, just merch designed specifically for the business Hello Awesome. And hopefully we'll have some Hello Awesome podcast shirts. I think that would be pretty neat to see you guys wear those and tag me when you uh, share your pictures on Instagram. So I cannot wait. Stay tuned for that. Right now I updated the website. I have some really cool new things coming. So make sure you go check it out. HelloAwesome.live. The second thing I wanted to share with you is I have a special membership program that I think you guys would really love and benefit from. Most podcasts or creators have Patreon, which is a place that they can pay monthly and support the podcast or the creator. Well, I have the same thing, but it's not Patreon. It's something called Buy Me a Coffee. And I think it's personally so much better. So if you go to my website, helloawesome.live, you're going to see at the top in the menu bar that says support us. And when you click on that, you're going to be brought to a special page on Buy Me a Coffee special for Hello Awesome. There are two ways that you can support the podcast and Hello Awesome as a whole ministry. The first thing is you can go on there and do a one-time donation and you can leave a note encouraging me and I would love that. If you have been blessed by anything that I've done on Instagram, any book that I've written, even just this podcast, and you want to make sure that I have the financial capability to keep it all going, I would really appreciate it. If you want something that's more uh, tangible and in-depth and personal, then I would suggest that you sign up to be part of my inner circle called Hello Circle. It is a group of young ladies who I love very deeply. We have become really, really good friends. And what happens is you become part of the actual creation process behind Hello Awesome. So for $20 a month, you are supporting the podcast, the shop, any future book projects in exchange for access to a huge vault full of content that I've created. This includes book files, digital ebooks, audiobooks, my show notes, which are like my Bible study notes. You also get access to a special Instagram group with just Hello Circle members. It is private. I talk with you guys daily. You become part of the process with me. I also have a special 15% off coupon code just for members that will not expire ever. And I just have lots of freebies that I give you guys, including advice. It's really a wonderful way to give and also receive at the same time. It is an exchange of goods. 
So if you've been wanting to read my books, if you've been really loving this podcast, if you love what I'm doing with Hello Awesome as a whole, and you want to be part of that, please, I encourage you, be part of my inner circle, the Hello Circle. We have such a good time. You will meet your best friends there. You guys, we have such amazing ladies in that group. I can't gush on them enough. If you are out there and you're a Hello Circle member, you know how much I love you guys and there's so much support in that group. So I encourage you, go to helloawesome.live, click on support us at the top in the menu bar and become a Hello Circle member. You won't regret it and I really do appreciate all of your support. Okay, today we have a new guest with us. Denisha Patterson is the author of From Grief to Grace. You may have heard of her book, maybe have seen it in conferences. And she is just an amazing woman of God, mother, pastor's wife. And if you've ever been afraid to do something new, if you've ever felt disappointed, If you ever feel overwhelmed with expectations, maybe of yourself or from other people, Denisha talks about all of that. She beautifully gets vulnerable with me and we just have a really rich discussion. I know it's going to bless you. So please, please enjoy this episode with Denisha Patterson. I hope you guys will take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, tag her on Instagram, tag me, share it with your friends and family so that they can be blessed too. Okay, guys, here we go. This is episode number 103 that I am calling Grief to Grace with Denisha Patterson. Hey, guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. The Hello Awesome podcast is sponsored by some good friends who want to give you a special treat just for showing up. If you're looking for super cute, modest clothing that is both classy and fun, Nuggles has you covered. Use code HelloAwesome10 for 10% off at www.nuggles.us. That's www.nuggles.us and stock up on essential yet affordable apparel right now. If this windy weather is leaving your skin crying out for help like mine, Oneness Essentials has what you need to be nourished again. Their handmade lotions and soap bars are seriously heavenly and smell amazing. Use code HelloAwesome at onenesssoapbiz.com for 15% off your next order of bath and body products today. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z dot com. Are you in love with a good scrunchie? If you know me, then you know my answer is duh. And my favorite ones are from So Vita. These are high quality, handcrafted scrunchies straight out of indie. Seriously, they're perfect for long hair. Use code PODCAST for 10% off to pick up a handful of scrunchies like the popular Crushed Velvet or Satin Bow at sovita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A dot com. Go grab a bunch to add to your collection or give away as the perfect gift. I want to give a big shout out to those of you who are working in the medical field, especially our nurses and technicians. 
Bravo to you guys. Y'all are the real MVPs. If you need comfortable scrub skirts so that you can serve others while sticking to your modest lifestyle, Sea Saucy is the place for you. Use code HELLO10 for 10% off your entire order right now when you check out at seasaucy.com. That's C-S-A-U-C-Y.com. Go invest in a comfortable scrub skirt right now with Sea Saucy so that you can just focus on your patience and continue on being a light. Okay, who says athletic wear is boring? Not with Snaga Athletics. With so many fun colors and designs to choose from, you no longer have to struggle to stay modest when you are ready to be active. Use code JC10 for 10% off your minimum purchase of $20 and get free shipping on orders of $120 or more. This code doesn't apply to the Courtney T. Oliver collection and it's valid through April 30th at midnight. That code is J-A-C-Y-10 for 10% off your minimum purchase of $20 right now at snogaathletics.com. That's S-N-O-G-A-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S dot com. Hey guys, it's JC here. Welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am so excited to have Denisha here with me today. Denisha, thank you for being on the podcast. We have been talking about having you on, especially after I read your book. And I would love for you to just share with everybody listening who you are, what you do, and where they might know you from. Okay, thank you for having me. I am Denisha Patterson, mom of two boys. I am married to Michael Patterson. And uh, up until recently, we were serving as the United Pentecostal Church uh, Youth Presidents in Georgia. We did that for eight years, and overall, we were in the district youth ministry for 15 years. So most of our marriage, actually our entire marriage so far, we have been in youth ministry in the district, so it is a huge part of our hearts. Uh, We pastor Faith Tabernacle Church in Conyers, Georgia, which would be a suburb of Atlanta. Um, We're about 30 minutes east of Atlanta, so... Um, not too far there from the city. And we just celebrated our ninth pastoral anniversary actually three weeks ago. So uh, we're really just loving what we're doing in ministry right now, just thriving in our little city. And I recently published a book, well, in 2019, From Grief to Grace. And on the book, I actually used my middle name, uh, Carme, instead of Patterson only because my husband liked how unique it was. The publisher liked how unique it was. And so thus I became known as Denisha Carme, which is my Instagram name and how many people know me now. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of what uh, I am a stay at home mom. So I do lots of things, wear lots of hats, as you I'm sure well know. And uh, really my ministry, my passion and calling is writing and speaking. However, uh, we don't always get to do the things that, um, we're passionate about number one, because of, you know, momming and pastor wifing. But when I do get to sit down and do it, it's just, I always feel God flowing through me. So that's just kind of what I'm doing over here in my little corner of the world. I love it. I love it. Um, 
wow. Well, congratulations on nine years. That's incredible. And um, that's just an amazing uh, just journey of being a servant to the kingdom. Um, and I know we were talking about how different uh, life is because you are in Georgia and I'm here in Connecticut. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think what's so awesome about God's kingdom is he just brings us together. And I love your book. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, obviously, because it was such a popular and it is still such a popular book among young ladies. I see people share all the time. And I know we were talking about this before we started recording, but there really is uh, a place for more of us to minister to ladies, um, especially young ladies. So I did want to start with your book, From Grief to Grace, because honestly, it's just such a powerful book. So when you first felt led to share your story in this way, in writing in a book form, what ran through your mind? Well, uh, fear. (laughs) Fear was the Mm -hmm. first thing that ran through my mind. And I say that because I feel that it's very important to share with people that you know that it is a God-sized dream when the enemy immediately tries to block your efforts and really immediately tries to discourage you and make you believe that you're not good enough, make you believe that this is, this is not okay for you to follow this dream. And I knew immediately that I needed to share it. I just had to get past my flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was, I was a little afraid to tell my husband. And I know that sounds, that sounds a little, you know, daunting to some people. Uh, We have a great relationship, but I was afraid to tell him because he has such a different personality than I do. And he's just, if he feels something in his heart, he just feels the confidence to immediately go and do it. And I'm different in that way. So I was a little afraid to share that with him at first, but I knew that students were the ones who I needed to share it with, at least in the beginning. So I prayed and I waited. And actually it was um, brother Matt Johnson. He came to our district to do a youth workers training. And he was just asking my husband to tell him about me because he didn't, he didn't know anything about me. And so once my husband started sharing my story with him, he, he just said, well, she has to share that at camp. So in 2015, that was what I did. And it was the hardest, but it was the best thing that I had ever done. So I just, I stepped out in faith, though I was afraid. So I think that's really important for anyone, not just students, but for anyone to know that when God places that dream in your heart, you have to chase it. And as long as you stay connected to him and grounded and centered in him, then he just, he gives you the platforms to share it on. I agree a hundred percent. I think what we forget sometimes as people is that people who are creating things like books or writers or, you know, speakers, they're all just people too. And there is nobody that doesn't have fear. And it's so easy for us to see people have this confidence and think they've always had it. But uh, that's not true. And some of us still don't have much confidence. We really are just 
stepping forward and doing it scared. Yes, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For anyone out there who might not be familiar with your book, From Grief to Grace, could you just try, if you can, I know there's a lot in the book, but could you try and summarize it for them? Sure. Uh, Well, if it's okay, I can just kind of read the back cover. Sure. Um, From Grief to Grace was written through experiencing rejection, insecurities, self-doubt, and heartache. I knew that happiness and confidence were the final destination. And to get there, I had to let my open wounds heal and become scars. Defeat was not an option. And now my purpose is to bring hope into the lives of anyone who feels unworthy. That I feel like is the best summary I could give uh, without just taking up five hours of everyone's time with sharing the different elements of the book which I know we will get into a little bit more of that in a few minutes, but I really just, the book is my testimony of God bringing me through excruciating pain into his grace and believing and walking in the faith that really is, that is our answer to everything. And um, that's the best summary I can give. God continues to amaze me with stories of uh, people letting me know, you know, oh, I can do this too. I read your book and now I can do this too. I'm just continuously humbled by those kinds of responses that I get. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is humbling because it's not like you're not sharing the story for the glory. Right. (laughs) You're not doing it for that. I think it is a hard thing to step into the spotlight when that's not something that we're seeking. And it could seem like that to other people. But, you know, we have so many examples of Bible characters in the story who were, we call them Bible characters, but they're real people who went through some real crazy stuff and they stepped out and they shared their story, not because they wanted to seem like they were something special, but that what God did in their life was special. And I think what your book does is it empowers other ladies, especially other young girls to embrace their story without shame, because that's covered under the blood. Yes. And so there are a lot of difficult parts through your story. And I wanted to know how have you seen how have you seen God work through your book, whether for you or for other people? Well, I, I really can't explain fully um, just the, the awesome reality of seeing all of it come to fruition. Uh, and I will say regarding, you know, what you just said, that one of the things that I had to really overcome was other people other people's view of what I was doing, including, including family. That was a a hard hurdle for me. And I didn't want anyone to get the impression that I was self-promoting because we know with, with social media, it can be a little, a little touchy still within the apostolic movement. We're still, we are still kind of coming into all of the possibilities that, that are out there, the positive possibilities that are out there 
with social media. And so I did not want my story to be lost on anyone believing that I was trying to Mm self-promote. So because of that and uh, the fear and the healing process, it, it took, it took me two years to write because I thought the healing was complete and, and I thought, okay, I'm good to go. But the moment I started writing, it was like, I opened the floodgates and realized, okay, I've got some more work to do on myself. So as I wrote, I felt, I felt relief. It was just like with each chapter, I just felt relief. And, um, and then as soon as the book was over, I realized you know, okay, this is, this is a close, I mean, no pun intended, but this is a closed book. And, um, you know, cause you realize sometimes that your pain is so much deeper whenever you actually start addressing it, than than the surface level pain that you show everyone else. So that being said, I really saw so much of the book unfolding in, in person kind of before my eyes, whenever I took it to North American Youth Congress. And I told my husband, I wasn't fully prepared. I I remember that first night I went back to the hotel room and I, I just had to sit in the floor of the shower and I prayed and I prayed because I told him taking on everyone else's pain, you know, like you said, we're just real, we're, we're human as well, just raw flesh. And everyone was sharing with me their stories of pain. And it was kind of bringing up some of that stuff that, that I had already worked through. And I had to find, uh, I had to find ways for myself to decompress that didn't allow me to internalize other people's pain. If that makes any sense Mm -hmm. to just kind of help them without taking on their pain, but hearing and seeing the stories, I mean, it was just one after another that it was almost that my target audience that I thought was students was actually like middle-aged people that had been holding on to this pain, a lot of it church hurt. So it was different phases and stages of grief that people had held on to. And I realized, okay, if me sharing this small seven chapter book in any way can inspire hope in someone else's journey, then it was worth it. And so I've been able to just really rejoice with other people as they would share with me, okay, now I feel like I can, I can go back and talk to my dad that I haven't had a relationship with for years, or, you know, I can move on in the freedom of forgiveness, because if you can do it, so can I, those are the kinds of stories that just really kind of validated to me that it was God that spoke this book into my spirit. Right. Right. And I think that is just an important thing to bring up is it can be kind of difficult to not take on other people's pain and not take on other people's story when they're sharing. Um, And I think that's something that everybody in ministry obviously has to be careful with. It's something that I know you and I have talked about before um, off the podcast, but when we are sharing our stories, it is an opportunity to open up and be listeners. It's a blessing because we get to see how God is working through us. And it's not anything that we've done. Um, And I know even starting the podcast and talking to different people and 
when I had the season where everybody was showing their testimonies, it was a very difficult time in a way because I had to be careful with my heart too, um, because it was bringing up some things from my past as well. And it's one thing that my husband and I was, you know, we were talking about and he was very worried about me being influenced in, you know, with the stories in a negative way. But the power of God is just so amazing and strong. And I think there's a protection for those of us who step out and share our stories that he is willing to allow us to be vulnerable and that he protects us so that we can continue ministering without feeling the heaviness of everything. Yes, I agree. You share a lot of personal parts of your life in the book. There's divorce and addiction emotional scars, which personally I can relate to um, from my life. And I wanted to know if you found some healing through sharing this book with others, if you within yourself, as you were writing, realized that there were some things that God still had to work through. Yes, absolutely. I, um, you know, as I said, when I sat down to write the book, I, I was just on a cloud, you know, thinking this is amazing. It's taken all this time and here I am healed and on the other side. And then as I began to write, I realized I wasn't. And so I did, I am an advocate for counseling. I did go through grief counseling um, and I, I did it alone because my mom was not an advocate for the counseling. And so I went through a little bit of, of shame at first. And of course we know, thank the Lord, the church, the, the, the tide of the church as a whole has changed and we are uh, much more open to mental health than we once were. Um, And I learned really quickly that my pain was much deeper than losing my brother and my dad, which is why the book does shift in different ways to talk about different topics. I do wish I would have dove a little deeper and I'm, I'm working on that. Actually, I've written thousands of words since the book came out, just realizing that grief comes in so many forms So I can't really explain fully the weight that lifted when I did write the last word. And I think that we say a lot that freedom comes with forgiveness. But when you truly trust God with those vulnerable places, it's it's transformational. So allowing God to really work on me to forgive just gave me the freedom to do what I am doing now. I, I would not be able to do this now without God. That is definitely, definitely a true statement. And he's still working on me. My journey is not complete. I think it's, it's very important to know that none of us have ever arrived. We always have to work on our personal relationships and, and know those triggers in our life that, bring up the sadness and the dark times or whatever. 
and just really allow us to be good stewards of our mental health and of our callings and of the topics that God really wants us to speak to through the pain that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I am, like you said, I am very excited to see the church really embracing counseling. Um, It's not to replace, you know, mentorship with those leaders who love God and the elders. We need everybody. We need everybody on board. And I just think there's just such power in um, speaking to someone who also is in the same spirit as you, who's operating within the same realm, if you want to say as you, Mm -hmm. and um, just another person to, to kind of open us up to more, more of an awareness of where we are and where God wants us to go. Um, Absolutely. And now as a pastor's wife, enduring such a shift this last year, I mean, if we want to talk about uh, grief, we can just say 2020. Um, <laughs> for real, it's one of the reasons why I felt the Lord move on my heart to write the new book I'm working on now. It's just, if if somebody didn't experience grief before, they definitely did last year. And uh, with the pandemic, it was just something we could not see coming. And uh, it was difficult. And I know that it's been a challenge for those in ministry, especially pastors and pastors' wives, navigating 2021 so far. I want to know personally for you, what has been kind of the challenge this year with the expectations that people seem to have about church leadership and what's going on currently? Well, actually, um, you know, my husband and I, we are so blessed. The culture of our church has been conditioned for a time like this for a very long time. Uh, Speaking to counseling, my husband is certified and he's working on his bachelor's, but his grandfather has a doctorate in um, clinical Christian counseling and many specialties. So it's not uncommon for our church to be taught things that maybe would be a little unconventional for other churches. So um, he teaches so much on love and, you know, we don't, God is no respecter of persons. You know, we, we don't always know what other people are going through. Those are things that our, our church has heard for many, many years. And all that to say that our church, our church doesn't put unrealistic expectations on us because of how we are taught. Our Wednesday nights are solely focused on um, series type teaching, which many churches have moved away from. But we, we still do that. And uh, of course, nobody in our congregation wanted virtual church in 2020, but they adapted and we actually grew. Uh, we have a culturally diverse church. So my husband and I took the opportunity through 2020 to educate ourselves on many of the different dynamics that were going. We, we did Zoom meetings with all sorts of people in all walks of lives in our congregation to try to understand what was happening in our world and what it meant to, to them. 
And that changed the trajectory of our church. It was, I won't say it was easy. It was a lot of work. I did zero writing in 2020. And that was hard for me to accept because I published a book in 2019, yet I didn't get to market it, promote it, or do any additional writing in 2020 because I purposed in my heart to be present for the people. And I knew, okay, God gave me peace about it early on. And I thought, God, you're going to create the opportunities that you want me to have. And if I never speak again about the book that I wrote in 2019, I know that I wrote it for your glory. And of course, 2020 created many opportunities, as you said, for me to talk about grief and talk to our church about it. But it also created the opportunity for me to kind of change the tide and learn and just be, like you said, a listener and hear what they were going through. And because I showed up for them and that's no, that's no pat on my back and and I'm not pinning roses on myself. It's just, I felt that was what I needed to do in that season. And because of that, I feel that our church now, they're a little more open-minded to some of the changes we had to close. uh, We had to close down in December and do virtual church for two weeks because we had multiple people get the coronavirus and our church was just immediately like all hands on deck. Hey, what can we do to, to make this happen, to keep everybody connected? And it was just amazing to see how, because we were intentional from the very beginning about the connection with them through, whether it was a Facebook group or a phone call, we, we literally every single day, my husband and I sat at the table and we went to work and we went to work and we went to work. And that allowed them to see where our hearts really were. I believe it, it was a season our church needed. And also in 2019, my husband and I did not share this with our church until 2021, but we went through a terrible, just kind of valley wilderness in our ministry, um, if I can say it that way. And it literally, it made us who our church needed us to be in 2020. We, we experienced a loss. We, we had to completely transform our youth department, our children's department, and we just experienced a lot of major loss that weighed heavy on us as pastors in 2019. But we have, and, and going back to what you said a second ago, my husband's grandparents, they founded the church that we pastor now, and they are tremendous mentors in our life. And so, like you said, there has to be balance with the counseling and the allowing elders to mentor you. And because of them, we have been able to make hard choices, but yet good choices for our ministry. And no, we don't have a church of 2000, but we are growing and influencing the small corner that God has called us to. And that's just, I can't say enough good about the the culture in our church. We work really hard to keep it that way and to keep everyone, everyone connected. And 
I, I believe that truly is, is launching us into the revival that, you know, we all hope to see in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. I'm believing that for you guys. I think one thing that we realized is that, um, obviously everything is under the hand is under the control of God and revival happens when people are stripped of things that they didn't think they were going to be stripped of. You know, people are, people were experiencing so many different things in 2020, a lot of loss. And I think when we allow God to use our grief for his glory, then he positions us in a way that we can help other people. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear that about your church. I'm believing that for my church as well here in Connecticut. So, you know, stepping back and looking at everything from a bigger picture, obviously that's very helpful for us as believers. Uh, instead of just staring at our problems or the issues that we're facing, I want to know what has God been teaching you about disappointments and that feeling of failure? Because I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us were just so disappointed last year. And I think a lot of us are feeling like maybe we failed in some areas. Yeah. Um, Well, God is still working on me. Uh, I do. I pray daily that God can teach me to love myself the way that he loves me. And That is such an important key to anyone who feels like a failure. I will say I have learned a lot uh, about this topic and this subject. Comparison, for me, I know that we all say comparison is the thief of joy. It's a, a wonderful quote. However, I believe that comparison is the thief of so much more than joy. Someone else's success is not my failure. And I think that's very important for all of us to realize as we are looking, we're all looking at each other's churches right now because everyone is on Facebook Live and, you know, going virtual and still streaming their services for those that can't come. And everyone has different protocols that they have to live by right now. But ministry is not one size fits all and not, not every church looks the same. Not, not every, not every element of virtual church, it works for every church. So we have to be creative. And I think that that's so important right now to say that, um, I, you, everyone, we cannot limit ourselves um, or his work in us by trying to recreate someone else's success. Otherwise, we'll constantly feel like a failure. But I have learned that failure is a teacher. And when something doesn't work out as I planned, I I don't have to give up because if God brought me to it, then he's going to see me through it. So personally, I plan to live big in the dreams that he's placed in my heart um, because looking back over my life, I see all the good that he's already done. He has moved what I thought was immovable. My brokenness, it's just, it's become my testimony and I'm not ashamed to share it anymore, but I, 
I just want to make sure that I'm so diligent to seek first his kingdom instead of seeking first someone else's good, someone else's gain and what they have. I don't ever want to look at another person or another church's gain as my loss. I want to be able to celebrate with them. That's amazing what they're doing over there. However, I don't want to look at it as I'm not doing enough because I feel like that's that's dangerous territory and probably where most of us get ourselves in trouble with our mental health is looking at all the good that someone else has, assuming that we don't have any. Right. That's so, so good. I love how you put that. It's so true. Comparison really is a thief of so much more than just joy. It really can just steal our passion, our desire, our drive. We can maybe have, maybe we feel like we're called to do something. Maybe what, maybe there are people out there called to write and maybe they're comparing like your book or my book to like what they're writing. And then it might make them feel like they're not good enough. And that's something that I think the more we talk about, the more we can break that lie that the enemy feeds us because the more that he can cripple our confidence in the Lord working through us, then the more we will just focus on our own abilities and, and our own failures and our own shortcomings. And we won't do what God wants us to do. And, um, and I do think there is a, I think there is a shift. I hope, I, I, I feel like there is a shift in our church culture where people are starting to notice this more and they're being more aware and hopefully we can be more proactive and intentional about how we are comparing ourselves to other people. And that could be as simple as if we even start having that thought to try and really stop that thought and proclaim, no, I'm not going to think about this because it's really not the truth. Right. And um, I do agree. It is difficult. We have a small church as well um, over here in Connecticut. And, you know, we've been blessed by the ministries. I mean, just the incredible services that have been happening. And I am grateful for the body of Christ. I really, truly am. And I'm so thankful that I was being filled by just so many great teachers of God, uh, so many great teachers of the word. Um, It really has been a blessing, I think, that in 2020, we have more churches online than ever before. And so rather than compare what they're doing, we should just be in celebration that they're doing something. (laughs) And that we are doing something and that together our mission is the same, even though we might do it differently because whoever, you know, the pastors are shepherding different people and there's different cultures depending on the states that you live in and the area that you live in. Everybody's going to do things differently. We're not going to all do it the same, but our mission is the same. And that's just reaching the loss, telling people about who he is, bringing other people to the Lord. Um, and we can't force them to do it. We can't force people to come to the Lord, but just being out there and just sharing our stories and sharing the Lord's story and just being open and being that light. I think that's really the key to having revival this year for sure. Yes. So do you think, 
and I'm, I probably know the answer to this, given your response and just talking with you. But do you think that most of us as believers just struggle so much with meeting the expectations that are placed on us by other people? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the world around us. Um, there's such an entitlement that it, it, it surrounds all of us. But, um, you know, I, and I, I talk to my kids about this quite a bit, that don't ever have that mindset, what are you going to do for me? Because so often we lose sight of the simple fact that we are to please Christ and not people. So when, when we only seek to please people, I think we fail and you can't, you won't make everyone happy. Many times people don't know really what they want. So they kind of complain about everything until they just find something, but Mm -hmm. uh, they, they go to each other we go to each other more than we go to God. And I think that's something that really should convict everyone, all believers that we, as we're grasping for bigger and better, you know, we can become lost and not intentionally, but we wind up either shaming our pastor or our church, because as I said, a moment ago, we're comparing it to every other church and that places an unrealistic expectation and burden on the man of God that really is not his burden to bear. His, his calling and what he is meant to do as the shepherd is to seek and save the lost. And so sometimes when you step back, you see that the problem is the person who you look at in the mirror. It's that we've, we've become so accustomed to this entitled world that we live in and we want the biggest and the best that we lose sight of the big picture. And when we do that, then we do place unrealistic expectations on, on everyone. And then we begin seeing that, okay, well, the entire body of Christ is struggling now because all of us are out of balance. So I think it's so important to nurture, nurture that relationship with Christ every single day and just, as you move towards, you know, more innovative and, you know, upgrading your things, you can still stay in balance with that struggle. And, and it won't be so much of a struggle, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely can see that for sure. You know, entitlement is really such a difficult topic because we all go through this and it's just something that we have to check in our spirit from time to time, Mm -hmm. especially those of us who call ourselves believers. We, we are taught to have expectations from God and then we forget that people aren't God, right? We can't expect people to bless us the way he does or be faithful the way he is. It's just not going to happen because we're flawed. And Mm -hmm. so we have these expectations of people that are just so unrealistic. It's going to make everything just crumble because we're not supposed to do that. It's okay to, um, I think it's okay to have sort of hope that somebody will maybe get better or we pray for other people 
to overcome certain things. But I think, and I know this is for myself too, I I have a very difficult time with this. When I feel that people have these expectations of me, I sort of have this like anxious, like this anxiety just comes up within me that I thought the Lord healed already. And Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that when that happens, it's because those expectations aren't coming from him. They're not flowing through the filter of God. Right. So what people have for expectations for us, sometimes it just shows us more of like where their heart is. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly a reflection of what we should be doing. Yes. That's really good. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so difficult being human sometimes. But uh, mm-hmm. I am thankful that we have a God who honestly fulfills all of our expectations and just someone who's merciful that we can go to and we can talk to. And he's not going to turn us away because we don't meet certain criteria. Right. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. Yeah. So I would love it if you could take some time to encourage someone listening right now. Maybe they're feeling like they are failing at meeting certain expectations and they feel overwhelmed. I know I have a lot of young girls out there that feel just so much pressure to perform, whether in school whether in ministry, maybe they're feeling expectations from family, from friends, from church. Maybe they're feeling expectations from the world. I would love it if you could give some advice. Okay. Well, first, uh, I think it's very important to know that your pedigree and where you come from, that is not something that determines your worth. God's grace is something that is freely given, not something that we have to earn. So no matter where you are in life, that lets you know that when the Bible says he died for all of our sins, that means everyone, regardless of where you are. That to me is some of the most encouraging and inspiring words in the Bible. Um, I also believe that as we grow in our spiritual walk with God, we have to be so extremely careful about the voices that we allow in our lives. We should always seek to do that thing that, that God has called us to do and um, know that his approval is the only one that we need. However, I think it's so, so important for all students and people of all ages, really, to share your dreams with your pastor find an accountability partner, but your pastor is the watchman on the wall for your soul. And so when you share your dreams with him and he goes to prayer for you, as all pastors do for all of their saints, he's going to come back to you. If that dream is, you know, self-centered or selfish, or maybe someone led you on this path that you shouldn't go on, he's going to know he is the one that is going to know if your spirit and your dreams line up with God's will for your life. And I think that that's so, so important. I, I see less and less of our students and people in general communicating their dreams and their goals with their pastor. 
I think that's something that we definitely have to get back to. And I think it's important, as we said earlier in the podcast, to remember that failure is a teacher and you must learn to revamp your approach. It doesn't mean just because one thing didn't work doesn't mean that you have to give up on everything. One of the things that I I tell my church is that when you feel like you're burnt out and you're hurting, you're confused, you just feel like the world is crushing around down around you, stepping back is the worst mistake that you can make. But serving in spite of your pain, that's where your healing happens. That's where your relief comes from. And we we have many songs in that I can pull from right now. Um, music speaks to my heart. It always has. So uh, that I can think of that just really could inspire the motivation to keep on keeping on. Because regardless of where you are, he sees you and he knows you. He's there fighting. He's gone before you. He's beside you and behind you. We know all of this. And there's one of my favorite quotes. I put it in my book. Oscar Wilde says, when it rains, look for rainbows. And when it's dark, look for stars. Rainbows, those are God's promises. And stars, of course, they bring light. And as your book talks about, you know, the glitter, it, what girl doesn't like all of that? But his promise still stands. If he gave you a promise in your heart and you know that he placed it there, don't give up on it because his faithfulness is great. When life is falling apart and we don't know what to do, there's one thing that we can consistently do. We can look up. We can look up and see the light that he has given us. I love, I know Oscar Wilde is not a believer, but I could, I could take that quote and break it down into the spiritual realm. And I believe that it just gives us such hope that even in our dark times, even when it's hard, even when it hurts, we have a choice. We have a choice to move forward or let life defeat us. But life cannot defeat us and cannot crumble us without our consent. If we give up, then that's it. But I believe that when we're 100% sold out to Jesus Christ and we can lay everything at his feet, that he's going to show up and show us how big he really is. So the best encouragement and word of inspiration that I can give to anyone is don't give up. I know where you are. And honestly, that giving up could very well be the easiest thing for you. It probably is. The hard thing is holding on and fighting, even though you can't see what he's doing. That's where our faith comes into play. So I would just encourage anyone to keep on serving and wait on God because he's going to see you through and you're going to see really big things happen in your life. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much. That was just amazing. And I really agree. I mean, I just agree with everything that you're saying. I'm over here muted. Like my head is nodding so hard because it's so good. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that more often. 
you know, that giving up is actually the easiest thing we could do. It yeah. really is because we don't have to work for anything. Yeah. And, and I understand how it might feel like a good solution at the time, but in the long run, we're going to look back and realize holding on probably would be, would have been a better choice. Oh yeah. So I, I really want to talk about what has kept you positive, especially this year. What's something that has been just really inspiring you lately, even when things have been a little bit difficult or challenging? Well, I will say that I, am a lover and an advocate of podcasts like this one. And uh, especially being a stay-at-home mom, it's something very easy mm-hmm. that it's, it's a choice that you make. You can, you can turn on you know, music, you can listen to the vacuum cleaner running, or you can listen to some encouragement in your ears, even if it's just the Bible. Right. The word of God, literally as cliche as it may sound, but the word of God has kept me grounded and positive because even when I've had some really hard days and, and we have my husband and I, my boys, 2019, 2020 and 2021, they've, they've all been roller coasters for us. But I try to always remember and remind myself that his joy is my strength and the alternative would make me miserable whenever I don't have the word of God and the spirit of God to lean on. There's no happiness. There's no hope, but his spirit and his faithfulness give me hope. Um, Another thing that has kept me positive. That's maybe not quite as spiritual is getting outside. Um, I do well, we don't have much nature. We do a semi nature walk. (laughs) Um, I'm a boy mom, so we get rocks and all kinds of things, but just getting outside and allowing the sunshine and just the fresh air to fill my soul that can do wonders for you. And of course my coffee keeps me very positive. (laughs) Yeah. Amen to that. I think especially after, you know, just this winter time, I cannot wait for the weather to get warmer up here in Connecticut so that we can go outside a little bit more. I think that's one of the things that I've definitely missed um, is just being outside really just disconnects us from everything that's trying to grab at us. And I love just watching my boys be boys outside and play and laughter really just is healing to the soul. Yes, absolutely. Going outside and being silly, joking around, putting on something funny. Um, I agree with all the things, obviously, that you said. I love podcasts, of course. Um, it is definitely something that I consider a huge blessing that we can just turn on. We have, we have control to change the narrative in our head. And yes. we have control to change the atmosphere in our homes and being able to put on worship music, being able to put on even the Bible app that can speak to us and uh, putting on a podcast that just has positive, you know, messages behind it. It really is a gift. 
Oh yeah. You know, and, and the, um, on the aspect of children, the, the Bible app, the U version, they do have one for kids. And, uh, we have that on both of our boys' iPads and it's kind of interactive. It'll tell them stories and stuff. So there are ways to, to reach your kids in, in that aspect as well, because for everyone, you're going to get out what you put in. So you have to be very mindful what you allow into your spirit. Right. Right. I agree. I also am definitely an advocate for doing devotions with kids, teaching them the word. It's something that I wish I had growing up and it doesn't have to be, I think we make things a lot more harder Um, and we make things so much more like um, extravagant and big. (laughs) I mean, honestly, even if we take 30 minutes a day to sit down and speak with our kids or even just uh, giving them the resources and the tools so that they can actually be engaged with the word for a few minutes a day is something. Yes, absolutely. Well, I would love to just give you a little bit more time before we finish. Uh, I know you've been sharing so much of your heart, but uh, if there was something else that the Lord has been pressing upon your spirit, I would love for you to just take some time to share anything that you feel can be more of an inspiration to those listening. Okay. Uh, Well, I think that it's, it is, as we've said so many times, very important to, to just communicate, even if it's getting things out of your head and on paper, I am a huge, huge journaler. Um, I love to write it down and sometimes I'll feel like something's weighing on my spirit. It could be with my husband, with my children, just with, with church. And maybe I'm just not ready to talk about it yet. Writing it down sometimes lets me know that it's not worth talking about. Um, I think that we, we get in a hurry sometimes to, to talk And then we wind up doing a little bit of damage. And sometimes I've heard people complain, you know, I'm so lonely. I don't have anybody to talk to. And during my time as a youth president's wife, Sister Bernard actually came in and talked to us. And she kind of dove a little bit deeper into that. And she really, well, she kind of reprimanded me in my spirit without realizing it. But she helped me understand that just because we don't have someone to talk to doesn't mean we're lonely because we have Jesus Christ. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But also sometimes we're in such a hurry to talk about that thing that just has us so disturbed in our spirit when really God is the only one we should be talking to about it because it's not something that needs to be talked about. So I think it's very important to nurture your daily relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost, because that is the very thing that's going to change you. We all have to be working on ourselves daily. And if we're not, then that's when our flesh kind of rears its ugly head. And and then we find ourselves in a place of, loneliness and we find ourselves in that place of 
comparison and feeling like we're not good enough and nobody sees us and nobody likes us. So we have to be very, very mindful to communicate with God, communicate with our man of God, and then communicate with the people that live in the house with us. And if you don't live in the house with anyone, then you need to be very, very mindful about cultivating some relationships outside of your home so that you never fall in that pit of of loneliness because that when we get there, the enemy just plants seeds of self-doubt and self-worth. He attacks all of those things. And that's what pulls us away from the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, I know hurt, I know pain, I know deep pain, but I know also how to pull myself out. And though it's hard, though it's so extremely difficult to pull yourself out of it, that is the thing that's essential to our survival. And I think that too, we too easily give up, but we have to, even when it's hard, we don't give up on ourself. We don't give into ourself, but instead we give, we get up, we show up and we fight. And that's when God really uses us and gives us those monumental God moments that turn into dreams that turn into ministering to someone else. I learned um, not long into writing my book that me sharing my story of pain and me exposing my pain could be the key to someone else's healing. And that is one of the things that just drove me to share it, even though I had those moments of doubt and comparison and I'm not good enough and no one even knows who I am. Why are they going to read my book? And it's not about me being known, but it's about God being known through my story. That's just like, like you said, I believe that there are so many more young women, maybe older women, maybe not so older women that have a dream that they're just on the verge of birthing, whether it's writing a book, whether it's starting a Bible study, even just mentoring one young girl in your church. I think that right now is your moment and right now is when you should do it. And maybe as we spread this, this word, others will catch on. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely know that there are listeners out there who have a dream just buried in their heart and it's just burning. It's that fire within their bones, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think the more we just can try and pull that out and to help pull them up and help them realize just how special what they have is and their their voice is unique for a reason. And it's not going to be like ours. And that's exactly what we need. Yes. Well, Denisha, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being on the podcast. This has been so special to me. I would love it if you could just share with everybody where they could find you, where they could find your church online and on social media. 
my social media on Facebook and Instagram is Denisha Carme. I have an author page on Facebook. Uh, all you have to do is add my last name, Patterson, for my personal page, but both of them are linked. Um, on Instagram, it's just Denisha Carme. My website is listed there as well. I am going to be more intentional in 2021 about um, keeping up with my website. That's where I write my blogs. But as I was writing my book, I did not uh, work on that as much. Our church website is conyoursfaith.org. And uh, we stream there live and you can kind of keep up with my family and what what we're doing. There is a, a lot, um, a lot in store for, for my ministry. Uh, I am just working on myself and my time management. <laughs> uh, we are all flawed humans. And so that is one thing that I am flawed in is managing my time, but I am actually in the middle of turning from grief to grace into a children's book and a small group study. So I hope to have those out very soon. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Denisha, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Were you inspired by this episode? I hope so. If you were, please take a screenshot of your podcast player and share it on Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Live. That's H E L L O A W E S O M E L I V E. It really encourages me to see that you were blessed. Also, do you want a free digital devotional? Leave a five-star review in iTunes and DM me a screenshot of the review with your email address. You'll be gifted a digital devotional of your choice as a thank you. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesome.live. That's H-E-L-L-O-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot L-I-V-E. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.